You have found the Shanty Pants Show. People ask all the questions the box you win. To classify your life with the stroke of a pen. Take those old rules, crumple them, throw them out. We're burning that box right now. Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculous comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple of years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I'm so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I speak with many who have suffered through challenges I myself have been through, such as living in a cult, infertility, foster care, adoption, and mental health illness. I have experienced firsthand how the stories of others have impacted impacted me and my journey of healing. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal. And also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew Pledger, and I am super excited to come on the show today. I am a cult survivor and a religious trauma survivor. I grew up in the IFB cult, which stands for Independent Fundamental Baptist. I was homeschooled my entire life for the purpose of indoctrination. And I experienced religious trauma from a lot of toxic messages around sexuality, and that really affected me uh, being in the closet and hiding my queer identity. And I experienced a lot of religious abuse in the name of religion at home and at the cult that I grew up in. And eventually I made my way to Bob Jones University for three and a half years. And for people who aren't familiar, because I know not everyone is, Bob Jones University is a fundamentalist Christian college in the South in Greenville, South Carolina. And it has a lot of controversies and I could talk so long, but I suggest do a Google search of them. You will find a lot of juicy things on them <laughs> as i suggest and so I spelled um actually this year back in january for like telling my story um being honest and authentic and just expressing my doubts around the approach for the as christianity had mm. to just christianity in general and like some of the toxic doctrines and teachings they pushed and they didn't like that and um, I was interviewed by Joshua Harris. He really influenced purity culture with his um, book, I, Why I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And, you know, I was expelled. And once I was expelled from Bob Jones, I was like, well, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Go Freedom. <on. laughs> yes. I Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I have autonomy now. And so for me, though, once I was expelled, I was like, I'm going to therapy ASAP. And so the next week I went to therapy and it's been almost a year. So, wow, it's been so great in therapy working through that. And I will for a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very long. Yes. Time. <laughs> just getting started. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting started. Oof. Um, and it's been great because, you know, I now work for the Indoctrination Podcast, hosted by Rachel Bernstein, who's a therapist, a cult expert for people who don't know her. And yeah, and I also, I transferred to another college. So I'm, I'm working on finishing my bachelor's degree right now, actually. That is so exciting. I, mm. I love that part of your story. And I think I actually heard that on the Indoctrination Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, the whole time I was listening to it and hearing your story, I'm just like, Oh, oh, like, I'm like, wait, wait, we need to, we need to make this better for him. How we have to be able to get him into college. And then it ended and I'm like, oh, oof, he did. Okay, good. <laughs> it finally worked out because I'm like, that's not fair. So that's very exciting. And Rachel's great. I'm actually having a conversation with her tomorrow. Um, Aww, so that's, that's yeah, she's so fabulous. But I, uh, I'm very excited for you and kind of this path that you are now on mm-hmm. and, the support that you're receiving, it's so great to see from a distance kind of mm, that, you know, yeah. that finally happens for people that needed it mm. their whole life, you know? Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about kind of what, you know, briefly kind of like what your childhood looked like and kind mm-hmm. of ha- yeah. I, as much as you want. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, whatever you're you. comfortable no, with. Yes. Fine. I know that this show is like has a lot of humor and I yes. don't want to like depress people. <laughs> I have, no, that's okay. We do serious I, stuff too. So <laughs> that's good. But like I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> I don't always bring it out. So if like I will laugh at certain things that most this people is a would place. like turn this their is head. A place. <laughs> this is a safe place for dark humor. <laughs> so there are some things that I might have some things I say in a sarcastic tone for people listening who might understand that or I laugh at things that most people might not see as laughable. That's just my way of dealing with it and distancing yes. myself with it. Just <laughs> deflect. We deflect with humor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So to me, I thought I was born into a religious group that had the absolute truth. And I... And I was so grateful for that because that's what I was taught. And I know I was so isolated. I was homeschooled my entire life for the purpose. So every part of my life was, you know, being indoctrinated with this fundamentalist Christianity perspective through, you know, there's there's plenty of homeschool curriculums that are basically propaganda used to push kids and indoctrinate them into these systems. But 
when I experienced my childhood, there are things I did not know were abusive or know that things are wrong. But, you know, as I've grown up and as I've only been in therapy a very short time, I've been able to like really wake up (laughs) and realize and dig through a lot of things and recognizing that I think that's the hardest thing for me in therapy was recognizing that I experienced abuse because I didn't recognize that as a child. And so, but to me, I thought it was okay because my parents used religion to justify doing a lot of things. So I'm like, Oh, well, this is religion. They're saying they're doing this because of their beliefs. So, Oh, it's fine. So like, for example, growing up, you know, I was always told that I was going to go to hell so much if I didn't conform to the group. And even by my parents, I would just, as a normal child, asking or wanting praise, they would say, no, like, you don't deserve anything. You deserve to go to hell. So to hear that from your parents, and as a child, I was like, it really, it stung. It really was traumatizing hearing that, hearing a parent as a developing child. But I quickly learned what to do and what not to do. I really like use the fond response. Uh, there's the constant people pleasing, repressing desires, uh, repressing needs. Or I didn't have any needs and just give and give and give to everyone else because you were taught that who you really were deep inside was pure evil and broken and depraved and that you shouldn't get to know that person. You should just cut that person off and become a new creature or a new person. And this is kind of the language that they um, would use in this environment of giving you a new identity, basically, to become dependent on the group. So growing up, yeah, I was very isolated, mm-hmm. um, heavily indoctrinated. And, you know, I grew up in a, looking back, I grew up in a very extremist mm-hmm. um, environment because I was, even in things in my own family, like this is just a trigger warning because it's just, as I've talked to people, People are like, oh my gosh, like, please stop talking for a second. Like, this is so much to take in. Like, I'm like, okay, so I try to respect that. So this is a trigger warning for people. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) growing up, I was taught that interracial marriage was a sin. Mm. I had my parents tell me that they did not not want me to marry someone um, that was not white. They did not want me to marry a person of color. They wanted, they told me that they wanted their grandchildren to have white skin so these are some of these extremist beliefs yeah. that I'm taught and like, as normal. you know, I'm taught as normal, but there was a red flag or a something going off in my mind when I'm hearing these things. I just didn't feel right mm. in my, like in my internal system, but I couldn't, you know, you're not supposed to speak up to authorities. Right. Your children, it's this phrase I, they say so much and I hear it's like children are to be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. But looking back on my childhood as I, the little time I've been in therapy, I realized I'm like, the main purpose was to make children conform. It wasn't what was best or healthiest for the children. People weren't doing what was best or healthiest for me. It's like, what makes me conform to the group? What makes me obey or listen? What keeps me quiet? What keeps me from speaking up? And it was all about conformity and following this kind of specific standard, a really mm-hmm. impossible standard. So to me, In my childhood, I was never seen, I was never heard, and I was never understood. I had to Mm -hmm. repress all of my desires. Emotions weren't allowed to be expressed. Mm -hmm. In my household, we didn't talk about problems. So it was like problems didn't exist at all. It was very codependent family dynamic. Um, And, you know, and I had a very 
looking back to, I had a very codependent relationship with my mother where she was very emotionally dependent on me for her own needs. And that's something I might dig into later, but that's something that I've discovered in therapy this year. And really, Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. Ooh, I've not read that. I've not read <laughs> that. So be taking that one down. Highly recommended. Like okay. it is, it's a hard read and it's also mm. funny. Okay. But uh, she adds that dark humor in there, which I love. But Perfect. yeah, it's just, she does a great job of just digging into her life and her trauma and how that can, how that really relates to a lot of other people too. Um, but um, yeah, so like I had to put on a mask my entire life. I could never be authentic. And really I was so disconnected from myself because I wasn't allowed to get to know myself. So I was just, you know, I was, it was really loneliness. That's probably yeah. the one word. That's the, if I could describe my childhood in one word, it would be loneliness. That's to condense it. That would be it. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. And I don't think I've ever uh, thought about that word when I think about my childhood, but Mm. I'm super glad you said that because you are correct. That is exactly Mm. how Mm -hmm. my childhood felt as well. And I think um, it's an, I'm, I'm excited for you because you're so young and you got out, mm. you know, and are able to be yourself now and you're getting help at such a young age. And I love that because we mm-hmm. I got out when I was like 31 and mm-hmm. really it's been recently that I've mm-hmm. the last two years that I've really started doing the deep, mm-hmm. dark work that yeah. I have needed to do. It just, you know, that indoctrination and it's getting yeah. out from under that and figuring out mm-hmm. what's okay. It's very confusing when your whole life you've been told something mm. and then you get out from under it and you're like, what, what do I do now? Like, you don't know how to make your own decisions. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't really know how to function as an actual adult because you mm-hmm. don't have the training and, you know, resources that you really, really need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that word lonely. And that's, that is one reason that I really start, or the main reason I really started this podcast was mm. I've dealt with some different things throughout my life and the cult life being part of it. But I wanted to bring stories to other people. Mm. So people don't feel alone. You know, there's, we yeah. all, all of our stories are different. They're all, yeah. you know, they might have some similar threads going through them, but they're all different. But, you know, being alone is not a good feeling. It's a scary yeah. feeling. And I, it's something I never want my kids to experience. And yeah. again, just me really in the last couple of years, really doing some deep healing has brought that about to where it's very important to me. It's like, this is a big deal now. And I, that's why I love hearing other people's stories. Mm. I feel like whether we can relate totally or not, there's always something you can take from their story. Mm. And so it's exciting for me to see someone like you, you're young and you're at a safe place in your life now where you are able to get the help that you deserve Mm. and uh, whether it's therapy or whatever else. And even the people that you have now in your life, mm. you know, it's, it's, yeah. you have Rachel and you have this connection around, um, yeah. this, you know, the cultiverse yes. and you, you're meeting the people that really can help you so much mm. aside from therapy. Yes. And so I think that's so, so exciting for you. Mm. Um, and I love, I love being able to see that and kind of like witness it. Cause you are so fresh out of this and yes. like, I'm like, a year oh my gosh that's but it's so great and you're doing mm-hmm. well and you've again yeah. you've connected with the people that you needed to connect with and it's mm. 
proven to be very useful because you're you're making some large strides very quickly and i love that uh thank you that's so sweet (laughs) that's very exciting i i really do love it um so so then once you went to college like how did that i'm just for the audience because i already everything how did how did that part of your life work? Did you choose to go to college? Was mm-hmm. you know was it normal for people from your group to go to college? How did that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were homeschooled for so long. Yes. So what I'll say is first, mm-hmm. I I went to a Christian college because I was put in a double bind. Mm. Um, so I was given two options that were not desirable. It was either stay home in the IFB cult or go to a fundamentalist Christian college. So good choices. Not, <laughs> not, not, not great. So that's just, that's like the premise of how okay. that worked out. Uh. But, you know, I knew, you know, when I was homeschooled K through 12, that the control was not going to stop once I graduated high school. Mm. My parents made it very clear. Like, well, they told us, oh, we'll only pay for a Christian college. Mm. But they would say that. But what they meant was a fundamentalist Christian college because there were Christian colleges that, you know, were a lot more lax than Bob Jones. They were like, um, right. they're like, I don't know. Their theology. Mm, mm. I don't know. They seem really, really liberal. Liberal's a dirty word in that kind of environment. It's right. like this awful thing, which <laughs> right away. it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but so I was like, okay, well, you know, for me, the other option was like Pensacola Christian College. That's where they really wanted me to go, which is, oh, it's P- Pensacola Christian College is a cult. It's a cult, most definitely. It's terrible. And like I had an older brother who went there for four years, graduated, worked there, and he's now a youth pastor at an IFB church now. Oh, so he's, wow. totally, he's totally indoctrinated into it. But he tried to convince me to go. But I knew myself well enough at that point to know that I would have hated it so mm. much. And to me, also at that time, I don't know how their accreditation is now, but at that time, Pensacola was not accredited, so their degree didn't it wasn't worth anything. Like oh. maybe maybe their nursing degree was like accredited, but everything else was like didn't you know, it didn't have any standards. Bob Jones was on the list. Mm-hmm. And even my parents were a little iffy about that because Bob Jones, they didn't have a KJV only stance. And for people who don't know what that means, KJV is the King James Version of the Bible. And the IFB claims that the KJV is the only legitimate word of God. And all other versions are not legitimate at all in our works of Satan or influenced by Satan, other versions. So because Bob Jones didn't take the KJV only stance, that really bothered my parents a lot. And that was really hard for them. And I was like, and for me, reading about Bob Jones, I'm like, this is a like extremely conservative Christian environment. It has its roots in fundamentalism. Like, oh my gosh, like it's not going to be fun. Like this is not in their minds. They justified it by saying, well, Andrew, you're not going to be a Bible major. So we're going to allow you to go. But if you were going to study theology or the Bible, then we wouldn't let you go to Mm. Bob Jones university i was like okay well there's no worry of that at all so i'll go (laughs) there's no concern so you know for me you know how i got to that point of wanting to even go to a college that was accredited you know college was always a dream of mine i love learning so so much and you know for me i was like but there was that that like conflict of like i don't want to go to a christian college um so for me it was like 
I was so scared to disobey my parents because I was still so heavily indoctrinated and they would, they, you know, they use their money to manipulate me into going to a Christian college. Cause you know, I, at 17 years old, I'm like working fast food, trying to save for college. Like right, that's not yeah. going to work. Right, <laughs> that's not right. going to, that's going to be easy. And so for me, like I compromised and I was like, you know what? I'll go to this college. I'll do it for four years. And then because at that point, I knew I was ready to leave the fundamentalist Christian environment, the mm. IFB cult. Um, you know, I was still dealing with indoctrination and that really the phobia indoctrination, like the fear of leaving mm-hmm. was so scary. Anything outside that group was so scary to me. So dealing with that phobia indoctrination that I've been subjected to for so many years. Um, but at that, I'm really grateful that I was able to go to Bob Jones because it was my first time being independent. Mm. really even though i was still in a high control culty environment at bob jones but you know for me there were a lot of there was a lot of stunted social development Mm, (laughs) so much so much stunted social development emotional development very stunted intellectual Mm. development really stunted (laughs) all of it yeah (laughs) all the things and so I had to deal with that in college of like learning to think critically, which is not easy. <laughs> that was not right. Fun. Oh, yes. They need a whole class just on that. Like you've been homeschooled your whole life. Let's teach you how to be a social human being. <laughs> yes. And it was funny because Bob Jones actually did have a freshman class that was like that because they knew oh, how unsocialized no. a lot of the people were. So it was like a freshman seminar class and socializing was like a required part no of it. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was joking. Wow. Good for them. They know what they need. <laughs> they know. And like, they know. And so in the class, like we would do activities where like, we would like all like switch tables and introduce to everyone and get to know and then, then have like, like, here's a topic. Talk to someone about this co- for like five minutes, get oh, to know. Wow. Them. Wow. <laughs> and so that would be part of, that was funny, but yeah, we, we needed it. We yeah. I bet. I bet. <laughs> wow yeah and um, so for me i i've always been the person to like go out of my comfort zone and mm-hmm. go for personal growth but in that environment i grew up in that was personal growth no that's a no-no like you right. you conform to the group you read your bible and pray and working on yourself or self-care or self-love is just of satan or it's just something that is secular that's what i mm-hmm. guess that they would call it yeah. and so for me you know, I think really my first time to really like gain social development or try to develop those skills was working for fast food at 17 years old. And it was really sad. Like the first few months of working at that job, I'm like, <laughs> it was, the mm, I cringe and I look back, but that's good because it means I've grown. Growth, yes. <laughs> I cringe and I'm like, oh my God, like that was, uh, no, uh-huh. <laughs> let's not go back. I have many of those moments too. It's like, oh, I can't believe I was an adult and I did that. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I <laughs> like, understand. Uh, so many things. But yeah, thankfully through, I worked in fast food for like four years oh, good. and that really helped my social development a mm-hmm. lot because I, you're having to constantly interact, deal with conflict management, a lot of conflict management oh, and I fast bet. food. And, you know, and then to me, looking back, I see that I was taking steps to become independent because that's natural. Mm, right. That's, that's natural development. But for me, you know, as I said earlier, I had a codependent relationship with my mother 
I had like major separation anxiety from my mother, mm. like way beyond what was normal. Like, you know, till I was like, probably like, I mean, honestly, in my teen years, like it was really bad. <laughs> That's really oh bad. Gosh. Like, did you yeah. just want to be with her all the time or like going to college? Were you afraid to leave her? So it, it happened gradually. So like okay. I was very... I was very attached to my mother from a young age. I could not leave her. Even at eight years old, if she would like drop me off at like a Bible club at the church, mm-hmm. I would like have anxiety the entire time until she oh, came back. Oh, wow. And so even in my teen years, um, it was better. But like I remember I had the, I had the opportunity to go spend a week uh, away on a mission trip, and I couldn't imagine being away from my mother or my family. And I was like, at that age, even at, I think it was like 16, and I was like, I'm 16 years old, but I can't be away from my family, my mother. Like, this is not normal. Wow, yes. Wow. <laughs> like, something's wrong. And I didn't have the language for like a codependent of relationship course. at right. all then. And um, how she had just latched herself on emotionally to me, because she had no one in her life to uh. meet any of her emotional needs at all. And so she found that outlet in me because I just had that natural personality that was very empathetic Mm. and was very caring. And so I felt very responsible for my mom's emotional needs um, and making sure that she was feeling okay. Um, And so as, as I got older, I was like, you know, still not having that language, but knowing this is not healthy. And, um, and I remember, and I was 18 years old being dropped off at college and being like, what am I? Mm. Who am I without this relationship or away from her? It was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. I literally, like, I called my mom an hour after being dropped oh. off at college. <laughs> and I was like, and then I look back on it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, why? <laughs> oh, no, that's not healthy. Like, <laughs> we, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, I still call my mom. Of course, I was at college and, like, for people listening, you should, if you have, I'm not going to say you should, because not every situation is the same, but if you have a good right. relation, if you have a good relationship with your parents and they're, and they're healthy people and then check in. Yes. But I, I understand if you've, you know, cause not, not all parents are the same. So if you cut off a parent right. who's, who's abusive, yeah, do it. I totally understand mm-hmm. that because not all right. parents are the same. And right. so that's what I love about Jeanette's book because she digs with that issue of like, cutting off Mm. toxic parents and relatives who are abusive and how, you know, not all parents are the same and not all situations are the same. So that's what I want to emphasize that not all situations are the same. So do what's best for your situation. But throughout my college years, that was when I really started to detach from them. And uh, I mean, it was, it was really hard to make friends at Bob Jones Honestly, I didn't fit in and I was like, I was bullied and harassed a lot because Mm -hmm. of my perceived sexuality. So like there would just be a bunch of these jocks who would just would not leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, there was just, I mean, there were so many things that I was dealing with internally. I was just, I I suffered in silence because I learned to just repress my needs or expression of needs or any problems because I wasn't supposed to have any and I felt responsible. So like, you know, that loneliness, again, that loneliness of just suffering in silence of um, dealing with my sexuality at a young age, dealing with religious trauma and toxic messages, dealing with developmental um, um, growth issues <laughs> uh, or stunted growth, and um, dealing with you know relationship issues and with my family, <laughs> and, 
and then you know then dealing with depression and anxiety as a result of religious trauma of like and there was so much shame around mental health and that environment and so I learned to just try to hide the symptoms of that and eventually like I would just explode <laughs> yeah like we, we all did in our family at points we all had our explosion moments because mm. we repressed everything um so you know and for me when I was at Bob Jones I mean that's when the question the questioning really started a lot um mm. for me of like do I really believe any of this or did I take this on to conform and be accepted? And that was really hard for me to even grapple with because like, what am I without this? Because I've been taught and trained to be so dependent on it. And this group is all I know. And so slowly throughout those years, it was just picking apart what's me and what's not me, what was in, which was really hard. Um, especially in that environment, because Bob Jones, man, like they are an indoctrination machine. Oh, yes. And like, for me, I think what really made me question it was like, you know, at a young age, I think it was a little, there were a few questions in my teen years, but like my experience with sexuality not matching what they taught was really caused that, that cognitive dissonance and caused me to question. I was like, okay, they're not being accurate about this. So what else? Are they not being accurate about <laughs> in this environment? And so, you know, for me, you know, it was still too hard to like, even questioning that was to cause a lot of psychological discomfort. <laughs> and so it was hard to not. So, you know, for me going to Bob Jones, I think it was really by my junior year, which is, I guess that started in like the fall of 2020, I guess. Yeah, that was the fall of 2020. My junior year, that was when, you know, that I had already, I was in the midst of my fourth major depressive episode mm. and was like so done with it and just being suicidal again. And, um, you know, in the past, my parents didn't handle it well at all in my teen years. Mm. Um, There's just so much shame around it and they just didn't know what to do with it. And so, you know, going forward, I was like, you know, trying to hide it. But if, for me, I think it was, yeah, that beginning of that semester or that summer, I found the term religious trauma, mm. um, which for me, when I read it, and uh, I'm just going to read it or talk about the, the general description of it so people understand. But uh, yeah, religious trauma is basically, yeah, it's a group of symptoms that arise in response to traumatic religious, uh, religious environments. And so an example or just a general way to look at trauma is that is when your system is put on high alert or you're in an unsafe situation and you're not able to come back to a sense of safety. So your, uh, your nervous system is dysregulated mm -hmm. and you're in survival mode and you're not able to regulate or get back to that sense of safety. So that energy is entrapped in your body and that association mm -hmm. with that experience and those different cues and that environment are also associated with that. Um, so, you know, for me, because of all the religious trauma of being in that environment, there were a lot of phrases that were very triggering to me. The mm. church, being in a church was very triggering to me. Hearing religious language is very triggering yeah. to me because of my mind's association, the classical conditioning yeah. um, through psychology that happens when you pair a stimulus um, and that response together. Um, and so just, you know, it happens so many times and like, you know, mm -hmm. symptoms of religious trauma are like depression, anxiety, lack of pleasure, lack of decision-making, lack of emotional regulation, um, PTSD, complex PTSD, nightmares, mm -hmm. disassociation. 
I think I've almost named them all, but those are like a majority um, of the symptoms that arise in response to those traumatic events in religious Mm -hmm. context. And to me, when I found that term and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I've been dealing with. And like, I like cried my eyes out when I found the term because I'm like, for so long, you know, because I have been indoctrinated that, you know, I'm inherently bad and evil. Something's wrong with me for so long. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's the matter? And then once I found this term, I'm like, okay, this is the problem. This is what was done to me by other people. <laughs> and so for me, I'm like, okay, but how do I even work through this? Like that was to even read that term was so much. And I was like, oh, wow, my entire childhood was traumatizing to me. Like, okay, well, oh, all right, what do I do with that? <laughs> now what? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what do we do with yeah. that? And so for me, I just, I put it aside. I didn't deal with it. I'm mm. like, I don't want to deal with that. That's too uncomfortable. Yeah. No, we're not dealing with that now. Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> so much fun and it's so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> just put it under the rug like we've done our whole lives. <laughs> yes. And so, of course, my depression got worse and worse. And at that point, I had convinced my parents to let me be on medication, which they had prevented me from doing for a while. But I finally got that. And I knew that wasn't the solution for me personally. I needed to work through trauma. But for me, it was like keeping my head above water. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I very much relate with that. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what that's how I saw it. And that's how it just helped me. I'm like, you know, I didn't have access to mental health care at Bob Jones because they had biblical counseling. They didn't have right. legitimate people. And I found out after I left that a person there has a master's in psychology, but they keep it a secret because they don't want people to know that oh, because weird. Bob Jones has the the issue with this psychology. So I found that out from someone and I was like, that, I'm like, that's not written anywhere. I'm like, I researched that person on their website and like, uh, there is no mention of them doing that. I'm like, oh, that made me so yeah. angry because it's yeah. like, there's to them, it's like, they're so scared of mm. information that's like different from their belief system. And to me, I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, Liberty has a psychology degree. Like, let's progress a little bit. Okay. Like, (laughs) come on. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Well, and especially like you think where we're at now as a society with mental Mm. health being so like in the forefront of our lives. Yeah. It's, I think it's great because it is giving people more freedom to speak out and like people like you and I that did not Mm -hmm. grow up with any assistance around mental Mm. health issues. I think part of it was just. Um, like for me, you're quite a bit younger than me, but like part of it was just society in general during Mm, those times, I think has changed over the years, Mm -hmm. but some of it was, we didn't, same thing. We didn't get outside help. And Mm. the minister that you could go to, the only person you could go to for help was not a safe person to go to. So you really were left with a lot of this trauma. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting, like you even going over the list of symptoms Mm -hmm. and, it's so interesting how, to me, uh, so many of these symptoms can come out. And for me, like it was depression, I had anxiety too, but a lot mm-hmm. of depression. Yeah. And so like you said, so I was able to get medicated to keep my head above the water, but still knowing there's something wrong still. Like this is mm-hmm. not, it's helping. It helped so much and still does, but there's something else going on there. And then mm-hmm. to get in with a, you know, a trauma, a very well- trained trauma therapist Mm -hmm. that knows how to deal with complex trauma is Mm -hmm. mind, you know, it's, it's life changing really. Mm -hmm. And you realize, wow, these issues go so much deeper Mm -hmm. than depression. 
it's not just mm. depression. It's these complex traumas that we have oh, to, yes. you know, fish out. And, mm-hmm. and it's awful. I'm like, I am paying you to mm-hmm. rip me apart and just ruin my day. And, oh, no. and yet it's so important. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard work, yeah. but I think it's so mm-hmm. valuable when we for years have just stuffed everything mm-hmm. under the rug. And, and honestly, I've even tried to do that since being out thinking Mm. I've always discounted our religious trauma as there were so many other people I saw even our group that, that um, experienced worse trauma than I did. And Mm -hmm. so I would, I would, you know, not validate my own trauma by Mm. saying, Oh, it's not that bad. Like, Oh, I'm so Mm. lucky. I didn't experience what so-and-so experienced. And now learning, you know, that that's not okay, that trauma is yeah. trauma. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. very, it's, it's validating. It really mm-hmm. is for someone yeah. to sit there and tell you like, it's okay that you're a hot mess. Like, yeah, you kind of, mm-hmm. it's to be expected with your experiences that you've yes. had in life. It's to be expected. Mm-hmm. And it is. And I think I relate with pretty much, I mean, obviously not everything with you, but uh, relate with so much mm-hmm. because it. Yeah. It is that shame and that guilt. And for Uh, years, like, honestly, I think last week, my therapy appointment was the first time when it sunk in that when she said complex trauma, she's like, Mm. it's not trauma. It's complex trauma where like I experienced, I went through like um, years of infertility and then Uh, we adopted our kids and we had a lot of trauma around our adoption uh, situations. And I always lived with the guilt of it was because I had sinned that God was punishing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Me in these different situations, oh, right? No. And she's like, that's, yeah, that's not one trauma. Like, this is complex trauma. But it, it yeah. felt good her saying that and the fact mm. of like, oh, not like, oh, cool, I'm so awesome. But like, oh, it makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. it really makes sense that Mm -hmm. we're experiencing or we have experienced a lot of different traumas that we we just move on from. It's like, oh, now I'm adopting my kids. I'm we got out of the cult. Yay. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a job like life just moves on. And Uh now I'm like, you know, 41 and I'm like, okay, (laughs) hi, therapist. I'm back for good this time. I promise. But it's but it's. It's exciting. And that's like a mm-hmm. hope that I really give to people because, you know, I don't think I'm old, old, but I'm older and mm-hmm. I'm experiencing, re- even though I've been out for 11 years, mm-hmm. really, I'm experiencing true freedom right now because mm-hmm. I'm allowing myself to 
to give up like some control and get, because when you're hiding stuff or you're putting it under the rug, Mm -hmm. there's so much tension that we carry. And, you know, our bodies, our bodies, Mm -hmm. we're connected. Like you were talking about the brain, like it's all connected. And so if we're dealing with inside trauma, our body, Mm -hmm. our body knows too. And we experience physical, you know, ailments Mm. as well. Yes. But you're nice and young. You've got, gonna, by the time you're 40, you're going to have everything figured out. We'll do another podcast and you're going to be like, yes, I'm an expert now. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. So like a lot of people say that and they're surprised. Um, but I think there were just, I think my queer identity has a lot to do with that because not matching what I was taught and, you know, and also the resources that are available that we have now of people online talking about yes. this and podcasts like Rachel's podcast has been indoctrination has been so wonderful yeah. <laughs> for it's, me. Yeah. Oh my God. In a lot of ways for you, but yes, it's yes. Mm-hmm. so good. It is really yes. good. And so, you know, for me, I think there was just this internal decision of like, I'm not going to get to the point where I think that I know everything that I think I have the truth. Like I want to keep learning. I want to yeah. question. I want to question everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Every, good. everything. Yeah. And I, I want to read and learn. And so for me, like I've been doing a deep dive into psychology and trauma for almost a year now, honestly, of just reading, reading and just learning, uh, especially like developmental trauma, religious abuse um, and just general psychology, cognitive um, psychology books by Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell, just different people, just trying to understand myself. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I've had these experiences. People have written about them right. <laughs> and how to deal with it. So why would I not take advantage of that information or expose right. myself to that? So for me, um, I, I'm really excited because I think why I think I'm so articulate about my experiences is that I've been writing a book since I was 19. Good. Yeah, that's I'm so excited about that. And it's so, yeah, thank you. And so like for me, I want it to like, you know, tell my story and have people see their story in mind. But I also want to like bring people along on my healing journey and like yeah. apply psychological cons- concepts to alongside my story. Mm-hmm. So people can then, you know, understand some things they went through similarly and also label Oh, I, you know, I was in a, oh, I had a codependent relationship with my mother too. And, oh, that's not healthy. And, oh, I need to actually deal with this. That's actually very harmful and toxic. And so the book is something I'm going to sit on for a while because I have so much inner work to do. <laughs> um, So much inner work. So like, it's something I'm not definite on like a date and I'm not pr- making, I'm not making promises to people. I'm like, this is, this is part of my healing journey. I'm like, it will come out when it comes out, when it's ready. And like, I feel like for me intuitively, I think I'll be excited because um, I've, I think it was a few weeks ago, I was talking with um, the naked pastor, also known as David Hayward, and he's going to be the illustrator for my book. So I'm I'm super excited um, about that. So it's just, it feels nice to see these small steps are like happening and putting things in place. It's exciting. Um, real quick, I want to go back a little bit in your story mm-hmm. just because I love, I love this part of it. Would you speak a little bit about the family that mm. I believe it was during COVID when you kind of hit some bigger uh, depression bumps and oh. then this family that kind of took you in. And I just, I love this part of the story so much. Yeah. I think, so I met this family 
I think it was my senior year, and it's not senior, sorry, freshman. It was my freshman year of college. I met them. So this was the the school year from like fall 2018 to spring 2019 okay. just for people so they can have a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the second semester of my freshman year, I'm like, I need to find people outside of the system. Mm. Like I have to make connections outside the system. So I had to live a double life at Bob Jones, <laughs> which was not fun. But you were well trained. So, you know, yes, I was well, I had trained myself so well to live that, put on that yes, mask. And, right. and so for me, you know, I would tell no one mm. that, you know, I decided to go to a very progressive Christian church that was affirming. And it was, it was the first time I went to a healthy church environment. Mm. I felt really safe. I felt love and there was no shame or guilt. And it was really weird to me to experience that. It was strange. Um, and so I met this family there and we, you know, we met at, it was like a, they were having a visitor's luncheon and we, we ended up at the same table. And that's when I just told them a little bit about my background of like, uh, you know, I was homeschooled my whole life. I've been in the closet several years now and now I'm at Bob Jones and I just need a support system <laughs> or mm. some community and so they lived literally across the street from Bob Jones University. Wow. <laughs> and they were like, like, you know, once they got to know me, that's when they started like, they, at first, like they drove me to that church every week. They would pick me up at Bob Jones oh. and then drive me to that church. We would go for several weeks and eventually they brought me into their home and I would have dinner with them at times. I could go to their house because, you know, it's within close walking distance mm-hmm. so I could leave that environment when I needed to. But flash forward, you know, when COVID happened, we were all separated from each other. Mm. Um, we could not, you know, I mean, everyone was, honestly. Right, right. We, were all, yeah. we, were all, we were all in lockdown, everyone. It yeah. sucked. We were all depressed. We were all depressed. <laughs> and basically, I was like, oh, my gosh. And that, that's the thing that I think affected the LGBTQ plus community so much is that we were forced to be isolated in environments that were not safe with family mm. and people that were not safe. And that was my situation. I had to go back to the house that I grew up in, in North Carolina. Oh. Um, and so, you know, and then, you know, change switching to online school. And, you know, then thankfully the church I grew up in was shut down. They only shut down for like, it was a short period of time, Then they were back at it. And the pandemic was like killing so many people and they're just still going on with their, whatever like it was happening but mm-hmm. for a short time they closed down and i was okay. like that was good it was nice because like i came back home i'm like okay like literally all churches were shut down and like we don't oh, have nice. to do that yeah. so that was good um but it was still really bad for my mental health being in that environment being in that the home that i grew up in or most of my childhood at least and you know at that point that's i think that was that was when my fourth depressive episode started the last one I had, which is two years ago. But, um, so yeah, that really started and there were, you know, again, that complex trauma, so many things involved that were contributing to that. And so that was at that point where I was already, you know, I mean, really internally, I guess I've been deconstructing, but I guess at that point, that's when I consciously started trying to deconstruct the belief system that I grew up in. And, you know, school started that fall and um you know i tried to stay in contact with that family through like texting um which was you know it was really hard not being able to see them but Mm -hmm. um while i was there 
um, I think it did, it, it forced me to deal with those, um, I don't want to say demons because I don't believe in demons, but you know what I mean? Like it from a figurative standpoint, those inner demons, those hard, dark things. Um, but so for me, I mean, it was really, it, being in quarantine, it was honestly kind of nice. <laughs> being being in quarantine at Bob Jones was great. Like, cause like I got to, I got to read a lot and I like my nervous system was, could calm down because at Bob Jones, it's such a stressful environment. Cause like, you know, they, they, they're constantly checking the dorms at certain times that you're not supposed to be there. So I didn't have to worry about having like this, um, um, staff checking my room or because I need to leave for chapel. Like they stayed away from us. They were like, uh, have, yeah. have your two weeks to heal do right. whatever like you're alone. like i need two more actually yeah two more <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes um but you know i think basically you know the pandemic like it it, it didn't seem like it was ever going to end <laughs> and so i was like oh my gosh like and then in that environment and not having that support system to like go to outside of it was hard but thankfully at that point i was able to find a few like good friends at Bob Jones. And that was so helpful for me. Um, but, you know, I think it was my senior year, which was starting in the fall of 2021. So a year ago, that's when I really, that summer, I had deconverted from that religious environment. And I, I here I am at Bob Jones University, no longer a Christian in that environment. I'm like that semester I started working on a art photo series that was really dug into religious trauma and really forced me to like deal with those hard emotions. I was too scared to deal with and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know like much about trauma. So that like digging into trauma, learning about it, learning about religious trauma and then using art photography to express what I was experiencing or what I experienced, what mm. I was feeling from these past experiences and I released that in January of this year, actually, early January. It was right around, I think it was like this January 7th when I really released it. But a few months before it was released, I was like, I'm like, I'm risking a lot by releasing this and telling my story. Mm. So I'm like, how, you know, what audience can I get this out to? And so I noticed that Joshua Harris, um, he had an Instagram live show where he would interview people from different, mm. you know, religious backgrounds and you know, hear how that affected them and what they're doing now. And I was like, okay, well, I would love to do that. I'm like, but then there's that conflict of like, I'm still at Bob Jones. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, but I have this photo series I'm going to release. Anyway. And so I was like, you know what, to me, I t it was, it was like, I guess the first time that I really started prioritizing my mental health and being authentic mm. and not denying my yeah. needs and so, you know, and I actually, I talked with my therapist about this last week. <laughs> we were talking. He asked me, he's like, why did you, like, can we dig into why you decided to go so public mm. about it? And I think he knew, but he wanted yeah. me to know. He right. wanted me to work Verbalize through Verbalize it. Yeah. Verbalize yeah. it and, and process. And, you know, once I started talking, and it's so crazy to me how you talk about your life and emotions of how, you, like, things start clicking. Mm that you, as you start talking about it. And I was like, and as I was talking, I was like, and he, cause he said to me, he's like, why didn't you tell your family? And I kind of laughed at him. <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> I was like, cause you know, he knew what I would say. I was like, you know, they would gaslight me. They wouldn't validate anything. They would minimize, they would deflect and not deal with it. 
Um, and yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be seen, heard, or understood. And I'm like, I did it because that was the only way that I felt I would be seen, heard, and understood and validated for the first time. And I was like, at that point, it was like, it was so symbolic to me because it was like, I was like ripping off the mask that I have worn for so long, suffering in silence for so long. And so for me, it was just also like, you know, that environment, that identity represented everything my parents wanted, everything my mom wanted. So publicly doing that and shredding that identity that was forced upon me and that I took on to people please, mm. it was so powerful. It was me claiming my autonomy and then being like, yes. no, like I'm not, I'm like, I know I was just, I was so vulnerable and authentic. I'm like, you know, I'm a hot mess. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of trauma. Right. <laughs> but this is me. This is here I am. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've learned. And like, it was really me like saying, you know, I'm grateful to tell my story because, you know, I'm, I don't know how I'm still alive <laughs> anymore. Yeah, like right. doing this, all these things I went through growing up. And, you know, there were things that were controversial to Bob Jones standpoint. So once they found out about it, I was expelled. Um, and it was, it was interesting too, because it was, I, I don't know if you've heard about the Bob Jones fashion design controversy. No, or not. <laughs> Please share. Yes. So <laughs> it was literally a, a, that semester, you know, um, the semester before I was expelled, uh, there's a couple or a few months before January. So it's probably like starting like, probably starting October-ish, but long story short, Bob Jones has a fashion um, degree or whatever fashion design degree in their art oh, department okay. and so some of the students were doing things that were more progressive more gender neutral type things and and bob jones universe like universe like no mm. you don't do things like that i think it's ridiculous they have a fashion design or like why program <laughs> because it's like to me like what's only approved was like puritan type clothing right, anyway. right. like <laughs> it's just so dumb but <laughs> and like <laughs> Like art is so censored at Bob Jones too, which that's a whole other thing oh, wow. um, about what you can do. So basically I'm in a photography class and it was studio photography. And so part of that was shooting the fashion design mm. um, outfits. And it was really fun, and exciting. And so part of my job was also documenting behind the scenes for the Bob Jones photography, social media account. And so as I'm filming this, taking pictures in my mind, I'm thinking, how is any of this Bob Jones approved? Oh. Is that because you know I knew the rule book? You knew. I knew, I knew, and I was like, but they spent several months on this, and they must have been okayed. And like, how could they have gotten away with this and it not be okay? Like, I don't like they're going to show this very soon. I don't understand. I'm like, from, and part of my mind's like, maybe Bob Jones is was like, you know, it's changing. But they're like, really? Like, is it? Mm. Like, no. Like, I don't know. And so, and there were also two other teachers in the classroom and they were letting it happen. And I was like, "Interesting." I, I guess we're, you know, I guess this is okay then. This Maybe this is an exception to the rule or I don't know. So I posted it on Bob Jones' photography account. Oh, on their account. <laughs> yeah. And because that, that was part of my job. I was interning for the art department yeah. there. Oh, and, I love and, it. Part of that was running their social media, specifically like the Bob Jones photography, not their main account who has thousands right. of followers, but right. like this smaller extension of their brand. And um, once I did it, oh, like all the DMs and the comments, 
um, over the weekend and like I ignored them because I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> I'm like, and you know, my photography teacher who had hired me, she's like, she's, she, she texted me. She's like, we need to meet in my office. Oh. And when she did that, I was like, oh no, like, because we always have scheduled meetings. And I was like, this is just random. I'm like, this is not oh, good. Oh no. And so then it clicked for me. I was like, oh, it's, it's about this. Mm. It's about all of the comments. And, but it was actually more than that when I got there, that someone had alerted someone in a very high position at Bob Jones University. And they were coming to like, to deal with it in the department. And it was, yeah, it was a powerful person in that environment. And I was like, uh. Uh. and my teacher's like, she's like, Andrew, she's like, everyone is saying so many terrible things about you for saying this. And I'm trying to help defend you. And, and, but then she said to me, she's like, once we've all found out the situation, you're not in trouble at all because so many systemic things led Other up to Other people knew about, you know, yeah, awfulness. She, yeah, and then to me, I'm like, I didn't think it was a big deal at all, but of course, to them, it was. Yeah. Um, and so that's what started people's attention on the fashion design department. Mm. And so after that, my teacher was like, you know what, Andrew, I will cover the fashion design stuff, and I will get approval from my boss, but you can cover anything else, everything else, basically. And you know, sadly, because people's eyes were already on the fashion design, she she took pictures of things a few months later when it was like close to the show and, and, and even of the show and she got approval from her boss and there was terrible backlash. Um, some Republican big wig politician, I don't remember who it is, decided to t- like tweet something about Bob Jones saying how we were becoming so liberal and progressive and how it was so wrong or whatever. And that caused so much, oof, so much shit. <laughs> so much shit and so that was like right before i was kicked out too so like i left this like a bomb fire You're like, hey, have fun <laughs> dealing with that i'm like this dumpster fire as i'm leaving like it was great though because looking back i'm like i ruffled so many feathers oh, on my I way bet. so many feathers out of that environment and it's like and it was great because you know because i was public also about my story that caused a whole other issue like apparently like it was shared so much on campus and there was like there was like an lgbtq plus uprising of students on that campus that happened and like and i was so happy that i was able to help that happen because so many students are suffering in silence in that environment so as i as i'm leaving like all this stuff is happening and i'm like all right bye guys (laughs) peace out y'all have fun with that (laughs) I'm leaving. I did like, my part. I retire. Like, oh, have fun picking up the pieces of that one. I think for me too, at that point, I felt so much shame about when I realized that, oh my gosh, I've been wearing, wearing a mask all this long. I've been conforming. I've been, but still trying to give myself that compassion. But there was so much shame of like, oh my gosh, I would let all these people control me. But even though, you know, I was in Joshua for so long, so I was like, for me, you know, you know, telling your story, which for people listening, you don't have to do it so publicly. Like, right, right, <laughs> you don't right. have to, you don't, you can do Just, it with your, right. With a therapist or, or like a very close trusted friend or something yes. telling your story, but you don't have to. But, you know, removing that shame, like um, shame thrives in like in secrecy and judgment mm-hmm. And I can't remember the other thing. I'm taking this from Brene Brown, who has been so great. I love Brene Brown. Like mm-hmm. her book, Alice of the Heart, just helped me so much with dealing with emotions and things. But for me, removing that shame of like, you know what? Yes, all these years 
I've been subjected to like all this religious abuse and this indoctrination, religious trauma. And, you know, my body responded in this, you know, either like the fawn response or the freeze response. But I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I can't change that, but I can change the decisions I'm making forward. Now I can claim my autonomy and tell my mm -hmm. story about. So that, that was that moment. And, you know, I was emotionally and I was mentally prepared for at, like the worst, like, mm. I started making plans of like different colleges to go to and like even like started packing up before I was even kicked out. And oh, <laughs> I was like, was coming. Yeah, I was like, I knew it was coming. I didn't know when. And like after like it was it was after the nine day mark that the interview was out. I was like, I've heard nothing. Mm. And I'm like, but I knew people knew because I'm getting like the strangest looks on campus, oh, like walking into the cafeteria and people looking and I'm like, mm, okay. I'm like, this is fun. This is for great. <laughs> like I had so much anxiety that first week as I'm like walking, having my lunch, talking to friends with this like oh. thing. <laughs> like so, yeah, I was kicked out. Like I think it was like only ten days into that semester, and like I got a nice refund from that semester, so that was nice. Like they oh. they didn't get that semester's money. I was oh, so good. nice getting that back. Oh <laughs> my oh. gosh. So nice. And so, yeah, since then, I've been like, you know, in the cult recovery space, you know, educating people on religious trauma, like deconstruction, and like also validating people's experiences, just sharing bits of my own. And I know my story is like so much for people to take in. So like, I've been trying to take bits and pieces of it into little TikToks to my, to like, oh. what might apply to people, like certain things. Yes. Um, and so, you know, through that, and, you know, I work for Rachel now, which is mm -hmm. Rachel Bernstein for Indoctrination, which is so, so great. Cause like, for me, like I need a job with purpose Yeah. and, you know, we both have very like the same mission and she saw the work that I was doing <laughs> online. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I was, I work as her social media manager uh, and, you know, and since then too, I've started college um, and I've decided to pursue psychology so i'm excited about that back to the family that mm, reached out to you yeah mm -hmm. did you reconnect with them after mm -hmm. all the oh yes college and yes stuff? got you yeah so what happened was i think it, it was their daughter who saw the interview mm. and she's like can i share this you know with my parents i was like oh yeah and once they saw it they're like andrew you're gonna get kicked out <laughs> like mm, <laughs> just saying that they're like but they were they told me they're like we're so proud of you Mm. um for doing this but you know just let you know like if that happens you can come here you don't have to go back to that environment ever mm. and so you know when i was kicked out i mean there were a lot of mixed emotions around that a lot of people were more upset than me but to mm. me it was just oh, the main emotion was like relief for yeah. me there were yeah. there were other things and like the day after i was kicked out like i'm like ugly crying in public eating lunch <laughs> as i'm like <laughs> by myself like it was fine. I'm great yes because in my mind you know I thought I'm like it's finally over yeah it's finally over all these years I'm mm. out uh, and it was just crying like oh, oh. I bet oh such a relief Oh yes, and now what about with your parents? Have you are, do mm. are do they have any contact with you? How is mm. the relationship with them at this point? Yeah, so when I was kicked out, I called my parents to tell them, and it was interesting because Bob Jones usually calls the parents first, and then the parent the parent comes unannounced. 
and their child has no idea that they've been expelled, but their parent comes and picks them up like they're a baby. <laughs> yes, like it just they're not an adult. They don't treat them like adults at all. And but yeah, but because of my unique situation, and they saw the interview, they were like, "Ooh, well, they don't." This is what I'm imagining that they were thinking. Oh, well, their parent or his parents don't really like our school anyways, and they seem very extreme. So we're going to let him deal with that. So I called them and I was, it was really hard. <laughs> I'm laughing I about bet. it, but yeah, I was like, I bet. You know, me being the people pleaser my entire life, being kicked out of college, the goody two shoes for so long, <laughs> like, oof, big change. So I called my mom. And I was like, hey, I'm like, how are you? <laughs> I'm like, I hope it's not good because it's going to get really shitty now. Like, right. right. <laughs> uh, so I told her, I was like, I think you need to sit down for this. <laughs> and and I just, I went out with it. I was like, I got kicked out of Bob Jones University. And it was just silence. And I was like, are you still there? <laughs> I was like, are you there? Hello, hello. <laughs> and, oh. you know, but my mother called my dad from the other room. She's like, Walter, come here. And I hear in the background, Andrew's been kicked out of Bob Jones. And so then once they're both, you know, on the line with me, uh, you know, I'm explaining to them. I didn't want to go into too much detail because I think that would be way too much for them to process. And so I was like, I went on, I did an interview with Joshua Harris. I told my story of how toxic religion harmed me in so many different ways and how I'm leaving this religion and this environment for good because it's harmful and it's toxic. And they were just like, oh, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like they were just, again, silent because they were shocked. <laughs> and I was like, and I told them, I'm like, I'm not coming back. North Carolina I'm moving in and they, they knew the family um that they had met them my freshman year um this they didn't know where I met them because like they were trying to protect me so we tried to like come up with a way without lying to them but was still general enough so yeah yeah so they had met them and so I was like, yeah, I'm moving in with them. And they were like, oh, they're like, you're so close to finishing college. I'm like, oh, I'm going to finish, like, trust. And I told them, I'm like, I'm going to become a therapist, a psychologist to research all of this shit <laughs> and help people deal with all this stuff. And they didn't really say anything to that. And um, they were, I was shocked because they asked me, they're like, do you want to have a relationship? And I was like, well, that's up to, that's up to y'all. And I'm like, I'm fine to have that. And like, if y'all respect boundaries, um, well, definitely, like, that's fine. And so, yeah, they did. And so, you know, it's been very surface level, very, a lot of small talk. There's a lot of things I can't talk about. Like, I don't really talk about the work that I do with Rachel. I don't think, I don't think they would like that. They know I work for her, but I don't go into details with them. I don't think they would like that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't talk to them which you know i don't have to at all i don't i don't talk to them about anything i say in therapy at all i keep that to myself uh, so it's just been just again like the typical family dynamic of pretending things never happened right problems it's don't kind exist. of like how it's always it's been. how it's always been yeah, yeah. and so yeah. i'm going back for thanksgiving oh, okay. this year okay. so that's gonna be interesting i've gone back and forth about whether or not to do it um 
but I'm definitely like talking to my therapist about how to deal with different conflicts or different situations or um, how to navigate that and like how long to stay and do I have a way to get away if needed or um, so that's something that I think it'll be it'll be interesting and I think again it will just be that small tuck of not you know since I've been expelled my parents have never talked about Bob Jones it's like I never uh. went there still there's a lot of like um, family dynamic issues and toxicity that needs to be addressed but like I don't know how to do that yet. And for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm focusing on healing me and you can't make anyone else change Just or heal. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, I'm focusing on healing my stuff. And if, if they're going to continue this family dynamic, fine. That's, that's them. Well, and you have, that's the thing is you, you can only control you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. get the healing and the help that you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In order to be a, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details happy whole person uh, yes. mm-hmm. out, you know, and then they can choose to be a part of that or not, but yeah. mm-hmm. at least you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. what you need at this point. Yeah. So that's important. Mm-hmm. I do have one question. Well, I have a couple of questions that I like to ask everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, one is what is a favorite book or a book that you would recommend to listeners? I'm sure you've got a wide range right now. Uh. Wow. So I guess for me, I would say Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Okay. Yeah. Because it made such an impact on me for like recognizing and dealing with my emotions. Like there are mm. so many others I could recommend, but I would recommend Atlas of the Heart by Brene okay. Brown. Perfect. I love it. She's fabulous. I love yeah. it. Uh, have you read The Body Keeps Score? Um, that's, an, that's another great one I recommend yes, too. Yes, I yes. know. Oh mm-hmm. my God. It's so, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's not like an easy listening, but it's, it's like- not- my favorite just like psychology you know just mm-hmm. it's fascinating fascinating to yeah me. Mm-hmm. um okay so there's me uh, uh okay <laughs> oh this is my favorite one what is the best compliment you've ever received oof 
I have been asked this before and for me I'm like it's so hard because compliments weren't a common thing <laughs> in the environment I grew up in and I guess it wasn't really I guess until I got out and I think probably like oh my gosh the best and the thing is to me too it's so hard for me to accept compliments from people too and praise that's really hard for me to do <laughs> like that's something I'm working through in therapy and like there are times my therapist he'll praise me for something or compliment me and like I'm like I don't know how to respond to that I don't like that that's weird no stop you're making me uncomfortable but um uh. I guess like um for, I guess really is what my therapist said I guess um he said to me he's like Andrew like I'm so proud of you you're such a strong and resilient person it's incredible mm. the work you're doing and I just it was a compliment. It was hard to take. It's hard for me to do. <laughs> but I'm working through that. But yeah, I was so... And the thing is, I believed him. Most of the time, I never oh, believed anything I good that. that people said to me. But I believed that he said. And it was like really emotional. I started crying after the session. I was like... Mm. Uh, but that was the, the best compliment I think I received. I'm glad that I got my interview in with you now. Because someday, I'm going to have to pay for it, I'm sure. <laughs> So you're you're doing amazing things. Don't don't say yes. that. I would, don't say that. No. Okay. Oh, oh, I have it. I have it verbal. That's a verbal contract. So you have to yes, come back someday. I will come back someday. I promise. <laughs> okay. And and your and and your group of people's growing. You know, you're gonna have yes. your own little cult here before too long, right? <laughs> oh no! Oof! Oof! No. <laughs> totally joking. I have to say it after that. One. Good. Yeah. Totally joking. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's what I've been scared of too, because like people will come to me for like black and white answers, and I'm like, I can't give that. I can't give that to you. I'm not. Please don't, don't look at me for answers for like these hard questions. Like I try to encourage people like self growth, question uh, autonomy. Like please, <laughs> right? Dig in, do your research. Yeah. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna go along to my little therapy session here, and uh, <laughs> and then and then we'll 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 reunite again sometime. Oh. And- do this again and in yes. the meantime i'll be watching you and listening to rachel still so i'll see y'all yeah i mean behind the scenes work <laughs> oh yeah that's great i mean i just gonna throw this out there i would love to have you come on my show and tell your stories so uh, yes yes <laughs> like, no let's do it yes. oh i would love to i love oh. i mean i'm a talker so you know it's <laughs> it's hard to say no to someone wanting to let me talk <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great oh, okay. my gosh. all right have a fabulous day and thank you so much for being on the show Thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Shanty Pants Show. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me every week. You can find all of my links to all my social medias, anything your heart desires at shantypantsshow.com. You can even find my amazing merch is back up and running there. And you can email me from there. All the things. All the things. Also, you always ask, how can you help me out with this whole podcast situation? You can subscribe to my podcast. You can leave reviews. You can share it with friends. I appreciate it all. So I am super excited to bring you guys the rest of the season. It's going to be amazing. And I'll see you next week. Don't ever silence your voice.